Stand with me. We're going to do our memory verse for the whole year, but we'll just read this one verse, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew 6, as you stand with me, please, for just the reading of this one verse together. I'll talk to you this morning about the kingdom that Christ placed us in, try to give you a, a review. <clears throat> If we're supposed to seek this thing, we better know what we're looking for, all right? All right, Matthew 6, 33. Let's just read this one verse and then we'll pray together. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's pray. Father... Uh, we don't understand that verse. We're used to seeking things. We're used to looking for things that we think are very important. Maybe even we're desperate for. You've asked us to seek something we can't see. You've asked us to seek it with all our heart. So, Lord, open our eyes to see something that's absolutely beyond what anything and everything else can ever offer, the kingdom of God. Help us to learn what it is in a good way this morning. I pray you'd put a hunger in our heart for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. When I <clears throat> went uh, to, when I joined the Boy Scouts, I don't know how old I was. I would say I was about 11 or 12 years old. We went camping, and um, we were told that our, the, the, the forest that we were camping in was filled with little creatures called snipes. We were told that snipes can be caught by distraction. What you did was you're supposed to go and take two sticks, and as you walked around, you'd click those two sticks twice, and you wouldn't say anything, you'd click it, and you'd see that snipe come right up to you. So the most terrified thing to look at were these Boy Scouts, 10, 11, 12 years old, in our first year of being a Boy Scout. We, we were Cub Scouts before that, but now we're camping. Now we're out in the big woods, and our leaders were only abusing us, only thinking of how to make amusement of us. So we're off going on, and you know what scared us the most? We're banging these sticks together, and we're terrified what will these things really be? Now, they didn't exist. So we're spending an hour going to look for something that didn't exist. But we were terrified. I was terrified that, that anything would come running at me because I didn't know what I was looking for. And the truth is this. In the Christian life, we're like, lot, a lot like that. We're banging our sticks together. We're coming to church. We're, we're, we're trying to pray. We, we brought our Bible. We try to read our Bible. But we don't know what we're looking for. We don't know what the kingdom of God is like. And if it ever showed up in our life in a big way, we'd faint. So I want to talk to you about the kind of kingdom that Christ placed us in. And right now, a sheet is being handed out to you. You don't have to fill it in. But maybe by writing what you hear this morning, you might remember these things and it'll help you because there's a lot of confusion about it, all right? <clears throat> so, what is the kingdom of God? A lot of people think it's a theological term that you're just never going to understand, but that's not true. 
Let me tell you what the kingdom of God is not. It is not something up in heaven. <clears throat> it's not even something that, that is not heaven on earth. It's not church or religion. Thankfully, it's not political. It's not of this world at all. You can't find the kingdom of God in a city or a field or a cave or a temple. It is, however, the most important thing in the universe to seek and to find. Do you know Jesus preached, that's your fill in there, the most about the kingdom of God. You're in Matthew. Go to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 in your Bible. We've got some scriptures to look at. Thank you, Dean. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Mark 1.14 says, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled. Everything's ready and the kingdom of God is at hand. It is within reach. So repent ye and believe the gospel. Luke 8. Go to the gospel of Luke. Next book, Luke 8.1. Luke chapter 8 and verse 1, and it came to pass afterward that he went throughout how many cities? Every city and every village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve are with him. So Jesus was going everywhere, and his main message was about this thing called the kingdom of God. The apostle Paul also loved preaching about it. Let me just read a few just for time. Acts 19 says this. Paul went into the synagogue and he spoke bold, spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing, persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now, I know we've got some very dedicated politicians who argue and they dispute and they present uh, uh, their plan for the future for Ireland or for America or whatever. But Paul's whole life was consumed not with politics, not with health care. Not with climate change. What was Paul obsessed with? The kingdom of God. The gospel of the kingdom. Acts 20, 25 says, Behold, Paul says, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. He says, I want you to remember, I'm leaving, but I want you to remember, all these years I spent with you, you've heard one main subject, and that was the kingdom of God. Over and over and over, Paul loved preaching about the kingdom of God, teaching. It actually excited everyone who heard about it. Go to Luke 16, Luke 16, verse 16. <clears throat> now, there are some religions that really focus all our attention just on heaven. There are some religions that focus just on life on earth and being a help to one another, basically humanism. But you see, Christ didn't say, just get along with one another, just live out your life, or just look forward to heaven. No, he said, seek the kingdom of God here now and live in it. And that blew everybody away. Luke 16, 16 says this, the law and the prophets we're all going in full force until John. Which John was that? John the Baptist. But since that time, 
the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. Like, like it was the biggest show on earth. Like when Jesus was preaching, people came from hundreds of miles. They went without food for days because of what Jesus was preaching. The crowds gathered by the thousands just to learn about how to live in it. It's what caused people throughout history to start churches and to fill them. A lot of churches are filled with their entertainment. A lot of churches are filled with their activities, with their, I don't know, with who you're going to hobnob next to. Oh, so-and-so goes to that church. That fills churches. But what filled churches, biblical churches throughout history, has been one subject, and that is the preaching of the kingdom of God. Does it excite you? Maybe we need to make sure we're all on the same page. Maybe because it excites me when you, when you are seeking what you know is the most important thing in the world, you'll hang around with other people who are seeking the same thing. So I want you to understand what the kingdom of God is and why it is so important to live in today. Because your understanding of what the kingdom of God is will determine your destiny. It will also determine your way of life here now. We desperately need to know what the kingdom of God really is and to seek it, as uh, Matthew 6.33 says. By the way, when it says seek, I mean, we, we know the term hide and seek, but the seek that, that um, Jesus is using means to hunger for. It's like you haven't eaten in days, and, and, and you, 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 you will eat anything. You're starving for something that's edible. You're looking in the cupboard, you're looking in the fridge, and you can't find anything, and you're like, I'm starving. When Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, it's with that kind of attitude, hungering for the kingdom. You're seeking not to just encounter, not just to taste it, but to own it, to have it as your kingdom, and that you desire, you yearn to live in it. That's the meaning of the word seek. So... Let's start, what is the kingdom of God? In your first fill in there, Matthew 6, 33, if you can say it with me, seek ye first the kingdom. It is a kingdom. It is a kingdom. Would you go to John chapter 18 in the Gospel of John, one more book over, chapter 18, verse 36. It is a real kingdom. It's not an airy, fairy, mythological kingdom like Snow White. It's a real kingdom. It's not a once upon a time kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. <clears throat> John chapter 18 and verse 36. Listen to Jesus. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. So you're not going to find this kingdom in a temple or in a church. You're not going to find it through a drug or a classroom. You're going to have to get it from God. This is a kingdom that has a king. His name is Jesus. It has subjects, believers. It has laws, your Bible. It has citizenship. How many of you have more than one citizenship? You know, if you're saved, you actually do. You have your first birth citizenship. You may be Irish, you may be Nigerian, you may be German, you may be French, you may be American. 
Some of you may have two citizenships where you have Irish citizenship as well. I have three citizenships. My citizenship is in heaven. I'm already a citizen of heaven. I don't have to go there to already be welcome. This kingdom has citizenship. Think about the benefits of being in the kingdom of God. Do you realize people who are in the kingdom of God are free from the dominion of sin and Satan. They are even free from the curse of their self. It's not that you don't feel the pull of sin, but it no longer has dominion over you. You see, in the kingdom of God, the only person who has dominion is Christ. The kingdom of God has one king, and you're not it. Amen? Can you just visualize that? Everyone in the kingdom of God is governed and ruled by Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus Christ never saved a soul which he did not govern? That's why sometimes you can look at somebody's life and go, I don't know if they're saved because they're in charge. Now, we all mess up. We all fail. We all get carnal. But at some point, you got to bounce back. Jesus Christ never saved anybody who he did not govern because he is Lord, isn't he? You don't make him Lord. You accept him as Lord. Go to Luke chapter 12. I'll show you something really cute. Stuck into the middle of the gospel of Luke chapter 12 is a beautiful verse talking about the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 12 in verse 32. <clears throat> Look in verse 31 so that you get that we're right in the same time frame, the right, the same phrase where Jesus says in Luke 12, 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. And by the way, verse 32, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to make you pay for the kingdom. Is that what he said? No, he gives you the kingdom. What a kingdom. What a kingdom. Second thing that the kingdom of God is, not only is it a kingdom, it is present it is right here, right now. You're in Luke. Go to chapter 17. Luke 17. <clears throat> Luke 17, 20. Even though you can usually imagine that somebody is living in a kingdom, say, all right, well, so-and-so, they're under, you know, the crown over in England. We think of somebody living in a kingdom or a nation or a country. My address is 29 Westwood Heights, Balancholic, Cork, Ireland. That's where I live. But the kingdom of God, I don't, I don't live really in the kingdom. I want you to understand this. The kingdom of God is in me. Look at your Bible, Luke 17, 20. When he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, they're going, when, when is it coming? He answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. You're not going to see it coming. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now we'll come back to that thought in a minute. But it is, not will be. It is present. It's not way out there or so far away. There are a lot of people who wish they could leave Ireland, wish they could move to Australia, wish they could move to America, wish they could. I understand all that, but let me tell you this. The kingdom of God is not another place that you have to yearn for. The kingdom of God is, a, is, is supposed to be in us so that wherever you're at, it's heaven. 
There is no place that the kingdom of God is not. Think about it for a minute. You find yourself in hospital, you find yourself in prison, you find yourself in the middle of a storm, you find yourself in the desert, in a palace, in a barn, in an office, in a school, on a farm, in a factory. The kingdom of God is there because you're there, because it's in you. That leads to the next point, and that is it is in every believer. It's actually in a person. Now, I'm seeking for something to dominate me from the inside out, not to dominate me from the outside in. Uh, when, when the Israelites were wanting to make a king, do you remember what Samuel warned them of? The, the, the Israelites says, well, you know, Assyrians, they have a king. The Babylonians, they have a king. The Egyptians, well, they have their pharaoh. When are we going to get a king? And Samuel says, do you realize what you're asking for? When you get a king... He will dominate your life. He will take of your crops. He will take the best of your sons and your daughters. He will be top and you will be the bottom. Is that what you really want? And they said, yes. And it's like, hello. The kingdom of God is not something that controls and dominates from the outside. We have enough of that. What the kingdom of God is within it is supposed to be in the believer so that you get up in the morning, not because somebody tells you to, because you read, and it gets you to read your Bible, not because you get a little reminder on your phone, read your Bible. There is, there is supposed to be something inside the believer that says, I have to love the other believers. There is something supposed to be in us that says, I've got to serve, not be served. If, if, if you could evaluate, I mean, the Bible says, examine yourselves. If you could evaluate and says, is there more than just a little voice that I keep shutting up? Is there something inside of me that drives me for a kingdom? That's a good way to look to see if you're saved. Do you know the king of heaven himself became a man, lived amongst the kingdom of men to prove that he could go one step further. Listen, God became a man and lived here so that he could live here. See, if God could become a man, he could live in me. You say, well, I don't know how God could be in me. How could God be in a human? First, as a man, Jesus. He, that was to show us he wants to live in the likes of us. The kingdom of God is within you. The poorest, the weakest looking person might actually, you say, oh, look at a failure. Oh, look at that person. I, who would want to ever be around them? You know, the poorest, weakest, most failed person might actually be living the victorious life of the Christian life in the kingdom of God, while the most beautiful, the wisest, the smartest, the most religious might be the biggest loser. Go to Luke 13, Luke 13, 25. Luke 13, 25. When once the master of the house is risen up, that's God, and hath shut to the door, ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, hey, we've eaten and drunk in thy presence. 
and thou hast taught us in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. See, there were guys who hung around with Jesus. There were guys who sat and ate with Jesus. They agreed with Jesus. They nodded their head. They went to church with Jesus. They acted like they were just like him. And Jesus said, I do not know you. Go on, verse 28. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves are thrust out, kept out. What a scary thought. You see, the way you test whether you're saved is not whether you're in a church, whether you're in leadership, whether you've got some big title or some big name, whether you're very successful. And I'm always worried about success as, a, as Christians because every time I've watched Christians in Ireland get successful, God goes to the bottom. Amen. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's supposed to be unsuccessful. Please don't get that at all. I want you to success, to succeed, whatever you're doing. But beware of this, this thing that if, if you're looking for success to be your kingdom, you will ignore the kingdom of God and you'll miss it. And God will say, where are you? So, yeah, strive for success, but keep the kingdom of God first. Another thought. It is invisible. Romans 14. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. So what do we got? It is a kingdom. It is present now. Now, does that mean that there are no other kingdoms? Don't get the wrong idea. The kingdom of God is not the finished plan of God. The kingdom of God is going to become something super big called the kingdom of heaven on earth. So don't think that God is all through. Romans chapter 14. It is in every believer. It is in, but the point I'm going to make now is it is invisible. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not food. It's not what you eat or what you drink. It's not what you wear. It is, however, what's the next three words? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It is righteousness, peace, and Holy Ghost. You can't, this invisible thing called the kingdom of God can't be touched, it can't be held, you can't put it in your pocket, you can't buy into it. It is invisible, it is spiritual. Matthew 11, Matthew chapter 11. Stay with me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Keep going, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? He doesn't say, I'll give you a throne. I'll give you a scepter. I'll give you authority. I'll give you power. I'll, no, he says, I'll give you what? Rest. 
because the kingdom is not sticks and stones and guns and armies and buildings and, and, and um, uh, committees and um, uh, schools and um, uh, governments. It is rest. Jesus says, you come to me, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest under your souls. Is your soul visible or invisible? It is invisible. I'm looking at a bunch of bodies. But that's not who you are. You're a soul living in a body, and your soul is invisible, and what God gives you is invisible. It doesn't mean your soul is just as real as your body. The kingdom of God is just as real as the kingdom of England, or if you want to call Ireland. Verse 30, my yoke is easy and my burden is light in the kingdom. It is invisible. That's why somebody says, I found the kingdom of God. Where is it? It's in me. <laughs> it can be in you. That's the answer. But if somebody says, oh, it's in this new religion. Oh, if it's, it's, it's in this cave over here somewhere, don't go. Don't go looking for it. Fifth. It is at rest. Now, this is probably the most important truth to learn. Matthew chapter 6. How many of you get agitated? You get panicky. How many of you just, just like, it's hard to go to sleep at night sometimes? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Jesus has a lot of words for you. They're all good. Therefore, I say unto you, take no what? That means don't worry. Take no thought for your life. What? What you're going to eat or what you shall drink. Can you imagine how many people spend so many hours worrying about what am I going to fix for dinner? Every woman and a lot of men. What are we having for dinner? And say, well, if she didn't think about it, I wouldn't eat. Well, I know, I know. But worrying about it. Don't worry about, are we going to have enough? See, this is actually, am I going to have enough food? This is not Western world theology. This is reality. Jesus is not saying, uh, am, I, we, am I eating, at, um, am I eating uh, Mexican food or am I eating Italian tonight? That's not what he's saying. When you have no food and you're in the kingdom of God, don't worry, nor yet for your body, what you're going to put on. Is not life more than meat and the body, more than your clothes, than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, they don't work, they don't plant, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Now, which of you, taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? I remember, I remember what it's like being in secondary school, and everybody was taller than me. And they had not invented pumped-up runners yet. I would have bought them. Everybody was taller. Everybody was built more. I was Mr. Skinny Jeans. And you're just wishing, I wish I could, I wish I could be... A foot taller. I wish I had. I wish I was two feet brawner. You know. And Jesus goes on. He says, "Hold on. Which of you, by taking thought, by thinking, 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 worrying, 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 planning, 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 
struggling, struggling, struggling. How many of you can add just one cubit unto his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment even? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall, not, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying what we shall eat, or what we shall drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed. For after these things do the Gentiles, the pagans, seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now you know the context and his righteousness, and God will take care of you. That doesn't mean you just sit somewhere and go, okay, God, where's the Tesco truck? Bring it by and drop off my groceries right now. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that you shouldn't work and provide for your own family. But when you've worked and you don't have enough, when you've paid your bills and there's not enough money to go around, when you have sweat, when you have, have worn yourself out doing your best and it's not enough, know that God will take care of you. If you're just going to sit on your bum all day, God will not take care of you. God will let you sit there and sink because he told you to work. But when you are panicking, you're going, it's not working, everything's not coming together, you can sit back and go, it will. Because I'm not in charge. Hallelujah. <laughs> and that brings the point. This kingdom of God is a place where there is rest, where there's not panic. There is no struggle in the kingdom of God. There's no worries, there are no fears, there is no uncertainty. There's no panicking, there's no anger, anxiety, there's no lack. All you will ever need is found in the kingdom of God. You say, does that really mean that I won't have needs? No, it doesn't mean you won't have needs. But it will mean that as you live in the kingdom of God, all your needs will be met. And that you can sit back and go, if I have this need, I know God's on the way. I know God will meet the need. That's how it works. There is no panic there. And if you could just step back and realize this kingdom is a finished product. It's not in the works. Um, we've had a couple of different uh, visitors throughout the last couple of months here. And we're driving along the road, and someone says, oh, I'd love to live in Ireland. So we take them through the Gabadon Low and says, here's a fixer-upper. <laughs> here's a house, cheap, if you want it. We'll go down along the road, and there's some houses that really need a lot of work. Can you imagine moving into some of these shell of houses? Maybe you'd get them for 50,000 euros. I don't know. But what you'd have to start with and how you would make a home out of it, you'd have to be a Sean or a Leo or, or Dennis. I mean, wow. I, me, I'm looking at it going, I give up. <laughs> But yet we think that the kingdom of God is not finished. We think it's not perfect. And if you will start to believe that it is a place of rest and that if you're seeking it, everything you will ever need will be met. You've got to believe that. The kingdom of God is heaven in the heart of a troubled man. All the kingdoms of this world cannot be compared to the rest and to the victory that is in the kingdom of God. No wonder the devil doesn't want you and doesn't want anybody knowing about it and seeking it. Because if he can get you distracted on the problems of this kingdom and on the politics of this kingdom and onto the dangers of this kingdom, you'll be miserable. How do you sit and watch the news night after night and go, I gotta go shoot myself? 
You can't be so in this world and it not destroy you. The kingdom of God is, a, is at rest right now. God is not worried. Right now, the angels aren't fluttering around going, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? <laughs> it is at rest. It is eternal. Luke 9. Luke chapter 9, verse 27. It is eternal. This is basically last month's verse. I just chose another passage out of Luke here. But I tell you of a truth, Luke 9, 27, there be some standing here which shall not die. You're just going to go on and on forever till they see the kingdom of God. As far as I know, every time I read history, every kingdom has come and it is gone. But not the kingdom of God. Do you know what Jesus said in John chapter 8? He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, if he just believe my words, he shall never see death. Oh, and yet people died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just their body. You see, he was saying, if you believe my words, if you follow me, I'll get you in the kingdom. By the way, I'm the door. I'll get you into the kingdom of God, and your body may die, but you will live on forever. You will never, you, the real you, will never Die. John, 8, John 10, 28 says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. The kingdom of God that we're talking about is the only kingdom that goes on forever and ever and ever. It will not fade into history. In 2,000 years, it is as fresh today and as alive today and as real today as it was when Jesus began to preach it. I remember when I got saved, I still remember the night. It was 9.45 on a Sunday night after church at a kitchen table. There were, there were uh, we called them biscuits. They weren't, um, they weren't sweet, uh, but we poured honey on them. Uh, Ann Cranford was in her kitchen there. I was sitting at the kitchen table, sitting at the kitchen table with, with uh, John Cranford. I hope one day you get to meet him. But um, uh, John's just hammering me, going through the scriptures, turning the Bible around, making me read it out loud, asking me, you believe that? You believe that? Do you believe that? And I remember saying, okay, you win. He says, well, if you're ready, why don't you get saved? I said, right now? He said, right now. I said, okay. I didn't ask what to do. I didn't figure anything out. I just got down on my knees. I can, I can tell you that I, I was there, folks. And let me tell you this. It is still just as fresh today, 39 years later, as it was when I got saved. I remember that. Sometimes I wish I was Pentecostal so I could go back and get saved again. And then again and again, because it was so good. The kingdom of God never wears out. It is eternal. Out of all the kingdoms in history, it will not fade. Sounds pretty good to me, amen? But there's more. Number seven, it is holy. Romans chapter 14, go and get the idea that the kingdom of God is anything like any kingdom you've ever experienced here on earth. Romans again, chapter 14, verse 17, looking at this verse. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what's that next word? 
righteousness. You know, God's kingdom has no sin in it. If you try to live for God, there is no sin in that life. That doesn't mean that you stop sinning, but I tell you what, when you seek first the kingdom of God, something happens. They're just, they're just, they're, the, the sinful desires fade because righteousness becomes your focus. I don't know what it's like in your home or with your kids, but you, if you put filth in front of your kids, how are they going to act? When they start to seek what everybody else has, how are they going to end up? I'm going to tell you this. You put the kingdom of God in front of your life, you want to be like it. You'll want to fit in it. You'll want to enjoy it. Because it is holy does not mean that it is unattainable. No, it is righteousness. As a matter of fact, you know, when you come to church, you say, I had a very bad week. I struggled with this sin. I struggled with this attitude. You know, just by coming to church, singing a hymn, opening your Bible, hearing some preaching, you weren't sinning. You went, you've gone two hours without lusting, hating, coveting. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You get into the kingdom of God and you start doing things in that kingdom. Righteousness starts to dominate because it is a kingdom of righteousness. Philippians chapter 2, go to the right. Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. It is holy. Philippians 2, 15. Paul's praying that the Christians in Philippi would be blameless. Look at verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. When, she, when, when, when Moses brought Israel, the, the people of God, out of Egypt, and they gathered around this mountain called Mount Sinai, God said, Moses, I need you up here. So Moses, I mean, he's 80 years old, and he's climbing this mountain that's probably half a mile high. And he gets up to the top of that thing, and he talks with God for 40 days. He comes down. The people have traded in their weight on God for some idols, and Moses has to get upset. And he goes right back up to the top there, and he spends another 40 days with God. When he comes down, people are pulling away, saying, Oh, I can't look, I can't look. His face shone. He actually had to wear a veil over his face because nobody would be near him. They were freaking out. He looked like he came out of Chernobyl. He was radiating from his face. He was like a, he was like a, I don't know what a lightning bug is, but he was just illuminated from his face. His time with God affected him so that he shone. And here's our verse saying, if you spend time in the presence of Jesus, there's an effect that we have. We shine from it. You can tell it. Ephesians 5, go back a few pages, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Ephesians 5, 8, For ye were sometimes darkness, that was our old life, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Colossians 1, to the right, go to past Philippians, and then Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. And this who is, 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 is God. 
Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us now into the kingdom of his dear son. If I've been taken out of darkness, guess where I'm now at? In light. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. This is very important because what goes on inside your head, what goes on inside your heart, how you live shows what's in your heart. 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people now, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Well, what's your world like? Is it light or is it darkness? What goes on between your two ears? Is it light or is it darkness? The kingdom of God, if it is in you, it brings light. That doesn't mean that you are just, la, 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 everything's perfect. No. But that battle that goes on is for light, and the light wins. Number eight, it is enjoyable. Look at the rest of Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, 17. Aren't you glad that Christian life is not a list of don'ts? It's not a list of all the sins that are out there. And by the way, the, the sin list is getting bigger and bigger every day. But Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and what? I like that word joy. Christianity living in the kingdom of God is not a drag. It's not a downer. It's not, a, not boring. It's not a ball and chain. I mean, you can't have any fun anymore. You have no idea. I have more fun now, and you know what? I remember it. <laughs> when I pray and I read my Bible, when I serve others as a servant, I get the blessing. You know what Jesus, you know what? You know what Jesus said? It is more blessed to what? To give than to receive. So when you find yourself in the kingdom of God, doing without and blessing someone else, you walk away going, I got a blessing. Because there is joy in living differently than everybody else now. We do not live Sunday morning only. In the kingdom of God, we pray more than we complain. Say amen. Because when we're praying, we're actually enjoying the kingdom of God. When we're complaining, whose kingdom are you enjoying? Talk to me. Satan's kingdom. When you... You know, in the kingdom of God, we give more than we covet. We love more than we hate. We serve instead of demanding service. We suffer gladly instead of retaliate. We read our Bibles to hear the voice of the author. I don't want to know the information. I want to know who wrote it. I want to know him. I want to know him enough that I can say I know him and I love him and I trust him. You know why we go to church? Because it's the right thing to do. Because there, in the kingdom of God, among people that are in the kingdom, I get a blessing. You know why we go soul winning instead of ignoring the world going to hell around us? Because the kingdom of God cares. The kingdom of God is not selfish. It's a blessed way to live. All of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is all about living in the kingdom. If you just start living it, you know what you're going to have to do if you're going to start to live in the kingdom? You're going to have to hate the one 
you're already in. Go to 1 John. 1 John. Chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world. 1 John 2, 15. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, look, circle that word, all. Oh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world, this world, passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, to the world, our lives may look like a failure. It may be painful. But our inner being, our inner man, seems to just be renewed day by day. I have to show you this one more. We're almost done. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, for which cause we faint not, we don't quit. But though our outward man gives out, <laughs> perishes. Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, that's this world, but we look at the things which are not seen, that's the kingdom of God. For the things which are seen are only temporal, but the things of the kingdom of God which are not seen are forever. They are eternal. Last thing. What is the kingdom of God? It is the most powerful kingdom so far. Think about a kingdom where God rules the hearts of yielded men and women, and where God overrules anything that is against us. Do you realize in the kingdom of God, there are spiritual laws that trump physical laws of physics? Jesus, in the kingdom of God, was able to walk on water. Now, I'm never going to try it because I know I'll sink. But in the kingdom of God, the laws of the world do not apply. That's why we pray. When you have an impossible situation and nothing is possibly going to fix it, you pray. Because in the kingdom of God, physical laws don't apply. Spiritual laws do. So in the kingdom of God, we, we believe God, not what we see, but what we know He promised. You see, the most powerful kingdom, the kingdom of God, is a place where everything is okay. Why? Because God is in charge. Because God is making everything work together for good. And that's why the gospel, the good news of salvation, is the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because when, when, when God, through His Son, takes over, he's starting something that will never end, and it only gets gooder and gooder and gooder. No other kingdom in all of history has ever been anything like what we believe, what a believer has resting in their heart and minds already. It's already in you. If you just start to hate the world, you just love the kingdom. What's so important about the kingdom? Because there is another world. 
Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my word shall not pass away. There's another world that is going to last forever. 1 John 5, 19 says that this world is a mess. It says the whole world, this world, lieth in wickedness. This world has its own wicked ruler, the God of this world. This, this world is doomed. Why is the kingdom of God so important? Because there's a whole other realm that, that, that I have and that you have the chance to live in. I, 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 I fail for examples, but let me just finish my message here. Second reason why the kingdom of God is so important is because you are a soul living in a human body. You are not meant to just live and eat and die, and that be it. Think about it. Your soul lives forever in one of two kingdoms, either the kingdom of darkness and hell forever, or in the kingdom of God's dear Son. You choose. Third reason why the kingdom of God is so important is because Christ came into this world to save sinners out of this world. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into our world to save sinners. Amen. What's he doing? Saving us out of this world into a new kingdom. Not just into heaven. Do you know, I don't have to wait to die to enjoy the kingdom of God. For 39 years I've been enjoying. For 39 years I've been in the kingdom of God. Why would you wait? And so, well, I'll wait till I die. Don't you wait till you die. You, won't, you may not be coherent enough to get saved. They may have you on so much morphine, you're happy dying. I don't know. Christ Jesus died so that in this world you're saved from it and you're already in the next. Lastly, because the kingdom of God is leading something even bigger, and like we've been talking this past month on, it is the second coming of Christ. The kingdom of God is spiritual, but one day... It will be physical, it will be real, Jesus will be on the throne, and he will rule with a rod of iron, and the whole world will go, he is Lord. Now, how do you get into it? Not be religious. You don't even have to be good. Hallelujah. You do have to be born again. I like how I've heard it. These, these, some of these people are going to say, well, I'm born this way. Well, I wasn't... I'm not like you. Good. That's the answer. You don't have to be like you don't have to be born a certain way. You do have to be born again, though. John 3 3 says, Verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There he is preaching on it again. You receive the kingdom like a child receives a gift. I wish we had a little kid in here. Let's see. No, Niall, you're too old. But if I came along, and let's pretend like Dean. Can you imagine Dean being seven years old again? Can you imagine it? It was great. It was great. <laughs> Best three years of your life. So he's seven years old. And I come along, and I have a five-year-old note. And the rest of you are going, and I come along, and he says, I just want to give this to you. He's going to dance. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. Thank you. Thank you. And Jesus says this, unless you receive the kingdom of God like a little child, you'll never get in. See, a lot of people are going around saying, well, you know, I don't like your church. I don't like your style. I don't like the seats. I don't like the scones. I don't like, I don't like the heat. I don't like the lighting. 
I don't, you know what you're doing? You're digging a grave, dude. You're digging a grave. If you would just say, God is not church. It's not the preacher. It's not, I don't like the Bible. I don't like all of these things that you find that are full. Let me just tell you, at some point you got to say, I need the kingdom of God. And if you'll take it, whatever it is, however little you understand, if you'd accept it as a gift, then you're in. You say, that's too easy. Thank God. Thank God. I'd like to be able to see at the end of my life, I got in. I got in. We're going to sing in just a second. Maybe this isn't even remotely interesting to you. One day you're going to face God, and you'll answer for all your sins. They could have been forgiven and washed away. You could have been saved. You say, well, I don't believe people, everybody can be saved. <laughs> Do you really want to prove that? <laughs> It is appointed men once to die, but after this, a judgment. You know what God did? He took the judgment on himself so that you could enter into the kingdom of God. By the way, Jesus said, I am the door. Just come through me. Would you bow your head for just a moment before we sing? Heavenly Father, right now, I ask that we would... Just let this stuff gel. Let all this truth just finally click together so we realize the kingdom of God is life. You came to give us life and that more abundant, and that's the life in that kingdom, not in this kingdom. You, we, we go to work, Father. We live in our families. We sometimes live in awful situations, but that's not our life, and that's not where we really live not if we're seeking the kingdom. Not if we're holding on to something that is invisible and yet more powerful than anything this world has ever had. Lord, I got it 29 years ago, but I, I let it go sometimes. I let it slip. I replace it with things. I replace it with worries. I replace it with, with flesh. And God, keep me seeking the one thing that I truly need, and that is to live as if I'm already home in heaven so that the world doesn't bother me anymore, so that the troubles don't bother me because I don't, this is not my address. I'm in a kingdom now where everything's at rest. I'm able to look at things and know God's going to make it all turn out for good. I don't always understand that, but I so want to live it. Don't let anybody in this room, Father, think that they can skip this. They can just go on their way. They'll be fine. No. Let somebody realize they need to be born again today. Today is the day of salvation. And they realize they've been running from a theolo theological confusion. Now they understand it's Jesus they need. The king of that kingdom who will give everything we need in him. In Jesus' name, amen.